Just a little heads up guys, this week's episode contains spoilers for the James Bond film No Time to Die. So if you haven't seen it yet, if it's on your to-do list, give this episode a miss until you've seen it. Cheers. Hello and welcome to Dead Man's Chest. Uh, I hope you're all well. I've been wanting to talk about James Bond for a little while. Um, that whole thing was kind of knocked about a little bit last year because I know the, and, and the year before as well, because the release of No Time, no Time to Die was, was messed around a little bit. Um, I thought it best after the film was released, to get into the new year, let it all die down a little bit. Hopefully everyone has seen it, or most people have seen it by now. So, yeah, I just wanted to have a chat really about the Daniel Craig Bond films. But first of all, a little backstory to get into. In 2002, it was the November, I think, Pierce Brosnan's fourth and final Bond film, Die Another Day, was released it was a it was an anniversary film for the bond franchise it was the 40th anniversary and if we're honest it wasn't that great um a lot of people didn't like the product placement in it i mean i haven't seen it for a while but i remember i remember watching it and you're half expecting the cast to just go into like the sales spiel for the car and everything you know looking at camera um cgi was horrendous and i can't even remember if there was a plot i just remember there being an invisible car at one point and, and the sad thing is i don't think i've dreamt that either the bond franchise at that point after that film came out was in a bit of trouble and it wasn't helped by, in the June of that year, June 2002, another film came out which really changed, I think, how we wanted our spy films to be. And that film was The Bourne Identity. Uh, it was smarter. It was slicker. He was more brutal. The whole thing was cleaner. It was more polished. It was everything, I think, we wanted Bond to be. And luckily for us, the Bond hierarchy, so like Eon Productions, MGM, they all took notice, which is good. Daniel Craig would have been announced as the new Bond probably late 2004, maybe going into 2005. And in 2006, we got not just a new Bond, we got a whole new Bond franchise. The whole thing felt different. 
Casino Royale came out in 2006 and immediately it was different to everything else that we'd ever seen. It wasn't attached to the rest of the franchise. We meet Bond as a, a relatively new 00 agent. And immediately, I mean, for me, at the very least, I could see the influence, I think, from the Bourne films. It was followed up in 2008 by Quantum, Quantum of Solace. And I'll never be able to say that one first time. Quantum gets... It's often looked at as the weaker of the five films that Craig did. I don't know why. I've always had a soft spot for it. I think part of its problem is it followed Casino, which was really, really well received. Um, but unlike anything else we'd ever seen, it was it was almost a proper sequel. We'd never really seen that in the Bond films before. You know, you can dip in and out of them. You can watch a Sean Connery one. You can watch a Dalton one. And you can jump backwards and forwards in the, the sort of timeline of their release. These films don't work like that. You have to watch them in order because there is stuff that you need to know. Um, arguably, the most successful Craig film and probably most successful Bond film came out in 2012, uh, which was Skyfall. Um, again, it was an anniversary film, uh, the 50th anniversary uh, of the Bond franchise this time around. It was massive. Th there was no getting away from that theme tune by Adele. It was just huge. In 2015 came Spectre, which I think it was, I think it was supposed to be Craig's last one. Um, yeah, I seem to remember him saying after that, that he was done. You know, the physical demands of the role were, were, were getting too much at that point i don't think it was particularly well received it's fine as a as a sort of standalone film but when you tie it into the sequence it's it's not that great and i hated the theme i think it's sam smith it is awful craig was eventually convinced to come back and end things properly with No Time to Die. There was a lot of heat on this film because it, it was due to be released, I think, at the beginning of, of this COVID pandemic. I remember cinemas everywhere were begging it not to be pulled, not to be delayed because they knew it was going to bring in a shit ton of money, which would you know ultimately help them. Um, but it was delayed, sadly, and it came out, I think, late last year. Uh, is it the best one? Is it? I think it's. Yeah, I'm going to say it was worth the wait. Like I said before, the Craig era 
was immediately different to a lot of what we'd seen before. Um, there was none of that cheese that we associate perhaps with the Roger Moore era. Actually, that reminds me, I've, I've seen a, a wonderful story about Roger Moore. Um, I will post it on the Facebook page after this. Um, Craig, Craig's Bond, he was arrogant. There was, in the, the early films, Casino and Quantum for sure, there was a very definite chip on his shoulder. He was incredibly cold as well at times. Um, he was also probably the most we've ever seen a Bond be affected by a woman. Um, I know in on Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, George Lazenby's film, he did get married. She died, but I don't think it was ever really alluded to that often. I think we saw Roger Moore taking flowers to a grave in one of his films. Um, but yeah, when you look at Craig's Bond, you know, the Vesper love affair really spread across the five films. Um, Madeline White as well really affected him. We hadn't really ever seen that that side to him. He was also he was also really breakable. Uh, we'd never seen Bond get hurt before, but with Craig, you know, I know the ending of Casino is particularly hard to watch if you're a chap. Um, it's very close to the book, as far as I can remember. He was in recovery after that for weeks and weeks and weeks uh, in the books, at least. We'd never seen that before, and it was. Oh, it was refreshing, I think, to see that this guy get into all these fights and it affect him. It made him a bit more human. Um, whereas before, in, in the other films, there'd be like a volcano and a massive gunfight and explosions and shit. And the most we ever saw Bond do was brush some dust off his tuxedo jacket and, and carry on. There was none of that here. It was, it was, I mean, the, the, the fight in the staircase in Casino is probably one of my favorite sequences ever. And yeah, you, you see him have to patch himself back up. He's cut, he's bruised, he's banged up, but he has to put himself back together. Never seen that before. Like I said, No Time to Die eventually made it out last year. Probably, I guess all in all, it was probably delayed by about a year. It did cause a little bit of controversy because, and this is controversy in some areas, not all, the main thing that I found that people were upset of, upset with, was that there was a new 007 who was a black woman. Imagine that in 2021, that that is something we're going to be, that's something that people were upset about. The film was accused of being woke, whatever the fuck that means. But for me, it worked. 
Lashana Lynch, who I guess we first really sort of came across big time would have been in Captain Marvel. She was the new 007 agent, Nomi. This is where people got a bit mixed up that it's the age old argument about James Bond is a code name attached to that number. Um, they're wrong, uh, basically. Um, James Bond is his name. He's not English at all. He is half Scottish and half Swiss. The 007 bit is actually two numbers. There's two layers of information there. Um, the double O bit is the first bit. That is kind of uh, a rank or a status. So he is a double O agent. And the number seven bit is purely just an identification number. It's not the name James Bond is his name. But like I said, Lashana Lynch, she, I really liked her. I really did. Uh, we also met Anna de Armas, and I might have fucked that pronunciation up as well. She played a CIA agent called Paloma. I really liked her as well, and I wish she'd been in the film a bit longer. We only get maybe 20 minutes with her. Um, she comes across as very new, very naive, very sweet, but there is a, a sequence with her that shows she she's more than capable of, of handling herself. Now for the spoilery bits. James Bond dies, Felix Leiter dies, and Blofeld dies. And that is quite a... It's quite a, a bold move by the makers. Um with three massive deaths this film is very much drawing an era to a close and it's kind of alluded to as well throughout the film every now and again you get these little these little notes of we have all the time in the world which was the theme tune i think for on her majesty's secret service which obviously like I said, that film ends with his wife's death. Um, and in this one, it's with his. So I guess the big question is, where the hell does the franchise go next? I've got a few ideas as to what they do next the first one is that the bond films end no more but i don't want that and if you're a bond fan i don't think you want that either and more importantly than that there is no way the owners and the, the powers that be of the bond franchise are going to give up a, at this point a multi billion dollar franchise it's just not going to happen um the second option they could go for and for me this would be the bravest one is they carry the craig era on they already have a 
007, LaShawn Lynch. They have a CIA counterpart with Anna de Armas. And they would be the new versions of James and Felix, who worked together on and off through the years in 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 this franchise and in all the others you know if there was a, a cia contact it was felix and they they've they've laid the foundations for that with, with this film but the big question with that is would people want or maybe even more importantly would people accept a Bond film without Bond? It's a tricky one to pull off. The third option I could think of, and for me, this would be the more likely, I think, is they separate the Craig era. They, they make it its own bubble. And that that bubble is almost, I don't know, removed from the franchise or it becomes its own sort of sub-franchise, I guess. I mean, they've pretty much already done that anyway because it had no, the, none of the Craig films had any ties or references to the other films anyway. So creating this sub-franchise, you know, we're 90% there anyway. Um, but to carry the franchise on from that would mean picking up where Die Another Day ended, which is ironic because that's the film that caused all this fucking trouble in the first place. But that's how it used to be done anyway. You know, Lazenby picked up after Connery seamlessly. Connery came back seamlessly. Roger Moore took over seamlessly. Dalton took over seamlessly. Pierce Brosnan took over seamlessly. There was no... There was nothing made of it. And I'm just wondering if that's the way they carry on. You know, that we... I don't want to say ignore the, the Craig films, but we just take them, put them underneath, and we carry on from Die Another Day, and, and it just goes on and on and on. I'm not, I'm not expecting to hear anything for a couple of years at least, although looking at the dates and this year would be uh 2022 this would be the 60th anniversary of the bond franchise so i'm wondering now is will we get some sort of announcement this year we won't get a film this year but yeah i wonder it'd be really good but who knows things move slow in bond world um but maybe, just maybe, we might get, we might be lucky, and they might just drop it on us, which would be really nice. It'd be nice to know 
where this beloved franchise is going. Yeah. That's all from me. Um, Take it easy, guys. Stay safe. And yeah, speak to you very, very soon. Bye for now.